know, my girlfriend and I, well, I'd say girlfriend, but a previous girlfriend and I uh, broke it up now for about almost a week and a half, I think. And well, it's definitely come with its challenges. Um, you know, like we're still living in the same place. So all of the like patterns and mind moments that come up when we were together are still coming up, even though we're not together. So like, you know, if she pulls up to the driveway or, you know, I hear the door open to the house. Those were like in the past, they were signals to like greet her or to like say hi or, you know, and now we're being more kind of to ourselves. Um, it's interesting though. There's been a, like at, at some point it just got really bad and I was like, okay, I gotta turn this around. Like if I don't turn this around, we, we know where this is going. So, um, I basically just, you know, I just started practicing more, um, and being kind of like gently rigorous about where my mind goes and where it doesn't go. Uh, and that's been awesome. And like, I've been able to start seeing that these moments of, you know, craving or, you know, like I want to be with her or I want her attention that, um, at first those thoughts were just really hard to even see, but now I've started to make more space for them and it's kind of easier to even just have them be there and still feel peace, you know, because it's like, if I'm, I, I, it's interesting, like, you know how we like throw out unwholesome thoughts, right? So, or relax out of them. And I was thinking, well, I'm starting to crave not wanting to have these thoughts. <laughs> mm, yeah. So the practice, I saw like a moment where it became like the practice was a problem. Um, or at least I was making it a problem. So then I was like, well, wait, okay, well then there's really nothing wrong. Let's, the thoughts can be there too. That's fine. Um, and then the peace doesn't, you know, it doesn't falter, which is nice. The, the, what I wanted to talk to you guys about is, you know, I've had kind of like the runaround with this relationship. Like we've tried this multiple times. We've broken up, gotten back together twice. Um, Well, yeah, kind of. Um, and it's interesting that the more and more we take space from each other, I've noticed that all of these aspects that were unwholesome in the relationship, I'm seeing a great portion of them having to do with my own stuff. So, you know, like if she goes to the bar and she's like dressed all cute, when we were together, I would think, oh man, like there's a guy that's going to approach her or I'm like afraid of that or whatever. Well, that those thoughts are still going on, even though we're not together. And it's like, well, wait a minute. That's really interesting. Here we are not together. The mind doesn't know the difference. So I just realized like, all right, I need to face some of this stuff. And so as I've been facing more of that, I've been seeing this like possibility for a new view of her to emerge that what's been there this entire time has been 
my mix, like the mix of my stuff on top of that view. So I can't see her purely. Um, and so it's interesting, right? Because there's like all these things that I don't know, like she might complain, right? She might complain often. Well, we're not, we're not together right now. So I don't like, I don't listen to her like I did before. So I don't have her around complaining, but now I'm noticing I want to be with her. I want to spend more time with her. And is it possible that there is just this, you know, once this kind of peace starts developing more and more and more, and you start making peace with these unwholesome aspects of yourself, and you start realizing that they were a contributor to the relationship, that whatever that person does or doesn't do that might be quote unquote unwholesome becomes kind of less of a significant thing. And there's just like a, a real pure possibility of like, Oh, okay. I could just take a step back and I could actually like love her as she is. Um, and you know, it, it's doesn't have to have a, doesn't have to shape my piece or, you know, now of course there's also, <laughs> There's also that conflict of like functionality, right? Like if you're with someone that's complaining often or, you know, it sabotages themselves, that's going to be difficult in terms of like a partnership, right? If, if you have someone that's kind of more, you know, trying to go upstream. Um, so I just kind of wanted to like see what your guys' thoughts were about that. I guess the question is, if you are seeing these things within yourself like I am. And you see there are these reasons for why you didn't want to be with someone before. But you're seeing all these things in yourself that are opening up this new view. How can I kind of trust like what's right, like what's right here? Not like the right answer, mm -hmm. but like what's actually wholesome and 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 what is um what is best for me you know i don't want to just go based on my feelings of like oh i want to be with her so be with her, you know and then all this stuff happens that's wrong again or a problem again obviously i think what i've realized is that i just we do need to take time apart mm -hmm. it's this time apart that is allowing for all this to happen so we got to keep doing this like that's evidence of like okay this is good data these are great results let's keep taking space um, but you know, we have this lease for like six months. We've considered the possibility in the past of like, maybe just, you know, going out on dates and stuff, uh, but not moving in together after this. What do you guys think in terms of, you know, you have this old view, you have this new view. How do I know which one to trust? How do I know I'm not just going to be basically settling or, you know, kind of pulling the wool over my eyes, right? It's kind of long-winded, but I yeah. needed to say it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think continuing <laughs> to just approach it from kind of that investigation, but also like the friendship aspect, right? And so coming from a place of friendship and really seeing like, yeah, you know what? You know, how can you be, you know, good friends with yourself and good friends with her? And part of that is understanding, hey, 
you do need a little bit of, you know, space and that can be quite beneficial, right? And I think too, like maybe throwing out any strong solidified like expectations of like how this will go one way or another way, right? Like either strongly for it or against it. And just being like, okay, we'll investigate as time goes on. Because again, both sure. of you are subject to change, right? And and right. various different things. But I think it's really good that like you're seeing too, like no the noticing of like the thoughts of like, oh, I don't want to have this thought or whatever when it comes to like changing them and removing them and all that stuff and just being like, oh, wait, no. Because that stuff, yeah, it's going to be natural that. It's, uh, those feelings are going to arise that they're going to come up so it's just like okay let me change this to like a healthy sort of you know place to a wholesome sort of place but yeah discerning that does it's like you know a moment to moment thing of being able to recognize okay what is wholesome here and now and in terms of you know the situation so yeah that yeah, sounds like some really great practice like mm -hmm. As you ask the question, how do you know what's what's wholesome, what's not, and it, it, it can only come to you in the moment. You you mm -hmm. will not know from this perspective right now as you're if you're not with her and you're not doing something together. She doesn't like give you any feedback, so you will not have any dukkha. So you will come from this per clean slate perspective of you can see yourself very clearly. The question mm -hmm. comes: Can you see yourself clearly when you're in relationship with that people? Because mm -hmm. as we talked about, like practicing in isolation it, it mm -hmm. it's, it's like it's, it's super it's it tends to become easier and easier but then when we go out in the world the relationship with our people with objects is we start getting overwhelmed by by the mm -hmm. information and and then then we can really lose the track of our thoughts and lose the track of dukkha mm -hmm. so you will only know if you're hanging out and you're able to maintain this new view the things you learned in your isolation if you're able to take that now to the relationship <laughs> then it can really really like grow into something for you okay that's how i say it yeah yeah and, and i'm in a relationship as well so i, I see that as well it, it's oh. <laughs> a, lot time, a lot of time you need to like give yourself that space to to see like oh wait that's just me being like a little bitch or that's just me being you know like you see your, your yourself generating this like dukkha about other person and it's really physical like anything physical outside of yourself doesn't have that much effect on you how you feel how how you see that person you can see them clearly as like they're complaining but that's all it is like how many times have you complained how many times have i like complained and we're just judging them based on this new view that we're not complaining right now but for sure yeah. you, right right right, so, right. That space that if you're able to create that space for them to complain and then you're really getting somewhere because now now you're taking your practice and you're actually applying it in relationship with people. If you're mm -hmm. staying calm, if you're listening, if you're able to see that, oh, they're just having a bad day or having a bad moment. Mm -hmm. That's how I that's how I see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it can be difficult. It's not like a hundred percent ratio, even in my life. Yeah. 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 Thanks, guys. That was really good. Yeah, but it sounds like you get a lot of great insight. Which is yeah. For you. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah, and it's crazy, right? Like, there's just, man, I don't know. Like, it, okay, and like, what's strange is all, like, this new view of her is opening up, right? But we've decided to not be together right now. So there's like this, oh, wait, come to me. Like, let's go on a walk. Like, let's go do something fun. And 
just knowing, right, like that, I mean, I don't want to say that that's not a possibility, but that is kind of what it is. You know, we're, we've decided to like create that boundary and, and take space. It's just sometimes challenging to, and confusing, right? To know like, is this interest in, you know, wanting to spend time with her, is that coming from like a cool piece, like a non-attached piece, or is that coming from like attachment and desire and all the same issues that we basically were dealing with when we were in the relationship. So, yeah. Well, you got new toys, so you can play with them every time you go out now. Now, now you have some <laughs> yes. things that you've been, been practicing with, so you, you can see them now. As, as yeah. if you can see them in, 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 while you're by yourself, you can see them in, in relationship to it as well. It's uh -huh. just a matter of question, can you hold that, hold on to that attitude and continue seeing them as they arise while you're in a relationship with that, yeah. Right. Mm. Right, 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 right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Also, welcome there, Caleb and Robert. Yeah, <laughs> welcome, guys. Yeah, what's up? Glad to be here. Figured I'd join in on the UK song, huh, just to see what was up. <laughs> yeah, not purely UK, as you can tell. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. We've infested us yeah. dirty Americans. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a time zone thing, so. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you know what time the uh, U.S. song, uh, if there is one, usually goes up on Skype? Um, that one, I believe, is like, it's like 10 p.m. like Eastern Standard Time now. Um, mm. Yeah. On Fridays, so. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I work then, so I cannot attend to that, but I'm free at this hour. <laughs> yeah there's always like the one even on there's one on sunday but i think i think that for the u.s that might be quite late that might be like 11 o'clock no no like 12 12 at night because yeah, it's uk time is like 10 10 a.m yeah the um the one on sundays is like 5 a.m eastern standard time so sometimes no I'll make that that's one. like right yeah. when i get off work yeah, okay. There you go. So yeah. that yeah. And normally Domerato's in that one, so very yeah. nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Have a little chat. How are you, Robert? I heard you had a good day. Yeah, really good, really good. Oh Two yeah, Robert. Up. That's awesome. <laughs> good job, man. Was there anything y'all in particular um came together to talk about today? Like was there a purpose or was it just sort of the general hangout? Just general hangout. Yeah, yeah. Cool, if, you, cool. if, if you wanna share something, it's like it's yeah. free to Well, I was just wondering, um, and I asked this question on the Dama Dudes Discord already, but um what's the best place to put your awareness when you meditate? Because I noticed that I can either let it flow free and do whatever it wants, or I can choose an object of concentration and just sit it on that. And it'll it'll branch out from that to other objects. Does that make sense? I'm not the best at explaining stuff, but I'm just oh, trying yeah, to... that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Attention. I... You can have, like... Oh, go ahead, DJ. Oh, yeah, no. I, I, you can go ahead there, Robert. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, you can have, like, a center of attention and then, like, a peripheral attention that's bigger. 
That's for sure. That's for sure. That's even true just for our vision. Like we've got the periphery and the pupil vision. With the center. Yeah, that's true. There, There's quite a bit of a relation there almost with the way that the awareness sort of functions. Yeah. With like the center and then the peripheral. But yeah, I think I, I kind of responded a bit to that one. Um, but yeah, for like the um, Anapanasati practice, the main thing with the breath, right, is it is like that anchor for sati. So the main thing is just to know like, okay, this is a long, you know, in breath or this is a long out breath. And so I think in terms of like the awareness, we can be quite playful with it in, in that regard. It's really just noticing like, okay, on that in-breath and on that out-breath because that gives us an anchor for sati, remembering to pay attention to what's going on here and now. But again, that's also applying the um, other aspects too, right? So the viewing as well as the effort. So we're now discerning, okay, is this thought that's coming in wholesome or unwholesome? And then we're going to change that thought to a wholesome thought and then sustain those wholesome thoughts, right? But the breath, that we're coming back to that as an anchor. Plus, it's really nice for that stability, for that grounding. Taking the long breaths really helps to oxygenate the body and is kind of, again, it's wholesome in its own own right as well because you have to be here now in order to discern is this long is this short you know you're not going to be thinking about the breath from last tuesday it's this breath right here right now so yeah yeah but, I, I guess i can i can add on that and try to explain like what, what, what how i see it in, in the concept so for example uh, awareness you're aware of everything you're aware that everything is surrounding you at all times as 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 you're calming yourself down we can use like um for example water glass water cup as, as an example if if your awareness shifts to i want to have a sip of water but the water is not in your peripheral awareness then you're gonna go get it it's the same with like awareness where awareness tends to move on to is the object that you you're needing to focus so for example if you're seeing the thought come up that is unsatisfying so you're gonna move awareness towards that if everything is okay then there's no need for awareness to be anywhere there's no need for it to reach and cling onto a cup or uh an object or 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 anything else you can just sit and relax in it that's how i i, I kind of see it it just sits and melts into everything it, it, it comes out in relation if there's if there's an object to focus on. And as DJ explained in Anapanasati, we're using breath. And then from breath, we can see if there's any thoughts. We can see if there's any tension in the body. And we can move with awareness through that. And then there's none of that. We just allow awareness to be. We don't need to make any rules for that one meditation session where it's like, oh, okay, this is what's been said. So I'm going to focus my awareness on this object or I'm going to just do this. Just... It's like a game. You play with it. You you see where where it needs to go, and you allow it. Yeah, that's a lot. Okay. Well, I've noticed that um, even when trying to focus on the breath, it might be easy for a few minutes, but then your attention sort of starts to stutter a little bit, and uh, it will switch from objects of t of interest out of boredom. At least that's just me. Um, I've noticed that if you even allow your mind to do that, you can also let go of that in and of itself. And so without even having to note, you're also aware of the breath and uh, the mental continuum. Yeah. So you brought awareness towards that object that came up. The object that came up is like, oh, it's hard to maintain awareness on the breath. So you brought awareness onto that thought. 
And now you're saying, oh, wait, I can actually maintain my breath and think at the same time while I'm thinking this thing. And then you completely diluted that. And then you can say, wait, I don't even need necessarily these thoughts or the breath in order to maintain awareness. And you melt back into it. So you, you just explained exactly what I was trying to, 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 to explain is like, as it arises, you, you, you play with it as it arises. That's, that's the only way I can actually conceptualize from my own language is as it arises, you just play with it wherever, wherever, okay. wherever you feel it yeah. fits. Yeah. I think another wonderful thing to bring up here too is um, like say when a, a hindrance or whatever does arise, like say, a, you know, boredom, right? Is that is also just the spotting of it, right? Is actually doing the correct sort of practice, right? And so having that moment where you spot it and then having that congratulations, like um, this is why sometimes using a small phrase or something like, aha, I see you, you know, can be quite lovely. It's like you're playing a game, right? And as you spot it, it's like, wow, you know, this was spotted. And then you can just return back to um, enjoying the breath. I think that's the other thing too, right? Is it's, it's also taking the time to really enjoy the breath as well with some of these long breaths, like really enjoying the sensations and that just this breath right now is enough as well so coming back to the content to the satisfaction that just this one right now is enough yeah i mean yeah that really does bring you right to the moment it took me uh many years to realize that just thinking about the past or planning for the future can be useful in moderation but it's sort of a waste of time to an extent because all your power is here in the moment yeah, yeah, exactly. And it is often like, yeah, like just a little bit here and there can be helpful, but often it is overdone and it's not very beneficial. So it's like we can just come back to here and now with the breath and just enjoy this and be satisfied, content, at ease. And bringing in again with when the uh, hindrances are spotted, but regardless is actually cultivating this feeling of success of like yeah this is successful just being here um taking these long breaths this is successful enough and really yeah just basking in that because that builds the confidence and the confidence loops back to the satisfaction and it's just this beautiful thing that just keeps rolling and then even yeah when when thoughts come up of boredom it's like oh yeah that's cool. Whoa, we spotted boredom. Great. And then just it's, keep on rolling. It's weird, though, because when it happens to me, it's not like I think to myself, oh, I'm bored. It's more so that I've become agitated mm. to a ex small extent and then my uh, attention gets loose. Mm. Yeah, it's so like sometimes it can be quite like almost subtle uh, in a sense. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, I'm bored or uh, this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, 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 yeah, just the subtle things and then it kind of has gone off. Yeah, there's many, many forms of thoughts like it's not it's not usually it can be not verbal. It can be like imagery. It can be like super fast. That's why yeah. like we've been talking, I think, months ago about like the reaction time as reaction time goes up, you're able to spot them more and more faster. Even these like more subtle ones is like the like little tensions in the body. You can spot a little tension, like a little tension in my shoulder to tell me that I'm bored, like, oh, I need to move my body. 
things like that. There's a, there's, it's, it seems to be like, there's a lot to it that unveils itself once you start like really, really paying attention and really just melting yourself down. <laughs> so how has meditation uh, in your daily practice had, I know a lot of people say, oh, meditation is the benefit, but what benefits that are tangential to the time spent meditating have you experienced? Like, are you just calmer for a few hours afterwards or do you realize, or do you extract some of that insight you gain in the meditative state and bring that into your daily awareness? I'm really curious about that from people's first person perspectives. Mm. Uh, for me personally, um, I used to meditate because of the suffering, just to mm -hmm. the suffering. And then it transitioned into like insight and getting like a lot of insight. I feel like we, we there's there's a there's like a little pendulum that swings back and forth. So we tend to go over the same things until we can connect the dots. And usually the meditation tends to be that little isolation practice that we can see ourselves very clearly without the noise of the world. So that is very needed in the beginning. But as you progress, you can see the meditation in everyday tasks, especially in relationships to other people, because that's when we need it the most, uh, is, is dealing with the world. So meditation, as, as for me, I, I rarely sit down. I'll have like my little relaxing breaks if I'm like on a lunch break or if I'm just waking up, I'll use that time wisely and, and set myself like, just see what's going on. Just investigate. Am I satisfied? I'm satisfied. I don't really need to get myself into meditative state because I'm already there. But if I'm not, then I'm maybe I will put a bit more effort, like take a breath, relax, see what's there. That's at least my personal experience. I, I, I think, I, think I, I had these periods previously where I lay off like sitting on a pillow for a long time and then I go back when I, when I really enjoy it, but not out of suffering anymore where I'm like, super 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 suffering and i would just go meditate for hours and hours just thinking that's gonna help me to avoid the responsibility of taking the dukkha out right now right here hmm what about you i'm actually um very unexperienced when it comes to meditating i mean i've had sort of a um a minor interest in mindfulness and Buddhism probably for the past like four or five years. And I've had a lifelong interest in Eastern religions and uh, spiritual practices in general. But um, only recently, probably in the past, say, couple months, have I uh, tried to start actually sitting and reading and getting into stuff. And I've realized pretty quickly that not that I need like specific assistance in order to get it done, because really you're just sitting, you're breathing you're experiencing like anybody else, right? But I've noticed that a lot of assistance comes from people who have already done the work and are able to speak about it, uh, consider your thoughts and sort of bounce back and forth with you, you know? Have you had a call with the Murado? No, I have no. not. That's, I think that's more like giving a shot um, in the beginning because you can really nail you down the practice that we tend to practice in, at least in, in this group, many, and we still do a, a lot of like different, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people do a lot of different type of meditations, but mainly most of us practice like Anapanasati because we found that, at least I found, I cannot speak for everyone else, but we, I found that it really 
connected all the dots from other meditations because as other meditations you said you sit down you you're experiencing you're you're just observing so that's what would be called the noting method and over at the beginning as i said that might be useful but over time you tend to note things that are not necessarily so useful for you and then they tend to cling on for the rest of the day or for the rest of the months and then you don't know how to really deal with them and that's where like dark night of the soul comes or really really, really deep depressive states come it's just because you, you're observing all this new information and you don't really know how to process it but with anapanasati it, it kind of it, it makes it easy because it it, it really does it it just instantaneously you note and you know what to do with it. You know if it's wholesome. If it's not wholesome, then there's no need for it to stay. You know how to throw it out. So essentially, you're practicing taking out the trash mm-hmm. and keeping oh, all see. the goodies. I see. I see. Makes yeah, sense. This- I mean, when you meditate, you act while also experiencing like the conscious states that you're stuck in at that moment or lucky to be in, depending on your perspective. Um, you act sort of as like a momentary filter, right? Like what you just said with taking out the trash. But I thought um, one of the important things about the noting style meditations was to note the impermanence and cessation of these individual thoughts, right? So if you're noting and they're cessating, what's the um, what's the problem with them staying? Or like, how do they stay, I should say? It, the, the clinging can come on onto some deeper suffering. For example, like there there, there is some things we might not notice that like for example you mentioned boredom so sometimes we will not notice that boredom and that boredom will bring certain actions that will create a lot of suffering like maybe you will go out and like uh i don't know spend all your money on on, on, like on the groceries on things that you really didn't want to buy or maybe you will just be agitated and like mindlessly scroll through the internet for hours and hours there's nothing wrong with that but we're trying to notice these things and show them out without actually causing ourselves harm and as you said noting that that is correct because originally when you note something you see the impermanence of it and you see that there's no point clinging to it anyway because it's gonna pass right even if it's a, if, even if it's an unwholesome thing or a wholesome thing it's gonna pass either way but it tends to be harder to do i i, I used to think like no that was the noting method but over time like the dukkha kind of built up and it was harder and harder to see things of impermanence, especially if you build up identity around spiritual practices. And if you read into other people's teachings and the dark night of the soul is a must, everybody goes through this, you, you have to suffer, you have to really work really hard, then you buy into that identity and it becomes really hard to let go. And that's how like we start like generating a lot, a lot of like more dukkha. Isn't that kind of ironic? People going into spirituality, finding themselves a new identity rather than just getting rid of the first one, you know? Yes, yes. Uh, Replacing a suit. I thought that uh, one of the main points of spiritual practice was just to sort of throw off the robes and realize that the internal is empty, you know? And I'm, I'm not even like a seasoned meditator or reader or pseudo instructor or anything like that. And a lot of these things just seem kind of like obvious to understand but almost impossible to actually operate you know like they make sense on the face value but when you start looking in and trying to see the intentions and the experiences of the people who have been through these things they're pretty not only transformative but kind of radical uh compared to the way that the rest of humans operate you know 
or rest of us, I should say. Yeah, and I believe uh, uh, operating out of like seeing of like no self can bring a lot of like initial shock for somebody who 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 hasn't built up to it because it can leave like oh so anything I do doesn't matter like I can just go go and like do whatever I want or I can get into a depressive state and not want to get out of the bed because hey I don't really have to meditate I I, I already well, don't exist you know I always thought that no self meant that at the core there was nothing like it mm-hmm. in you know how yeah, there's an ellipsis that's three dots well mm-hmm. imagine four <laughs> dots and everything's in balance and in the center is the gap right where there's just nothing there so even if your core is empty that doesn't mean your edges stop hurting you know you're still just as incarnate as anybody else you know but what we realize when at least this is what i've been trying to do more and more uh, every day is when we realize that it's empty at our core nothing can get to you truly mm. but that bravery of being able to say that versus the bravery of jumping into the lion's mouth is leagues apart, but I really don't know how to get there. Maybe it's not, but I don't know. <laughs> well, and and it's also like the remembering aspect, right, of that. So there can be these insights into the nature of self or what have you, even impermanence, but then, you know, one forgets. So this is why the sati the mindfulness is so essential because that's the remembering and that's remembering to pay attention to what's going on here and now. But with that is remembering this method, right? And remembering, you know, (laughs) all that that's kind of come by me, but also that's just paying attention to what's going on in reality as it is like, it's just, Oh wait, things are changing, you know, and you can't spot a, a, uh, self like essence which is permanent like where does this actually come from it's all you know interbeing it's all interdependent on on the other sort of chains like the object and you know what's seeing the object they inter are right they interconnect and all that stuff but yeah it's it's the remembering it's the cup can you remember this you know when you're in the middle of work you know if you have an angry customer you know, it, can you remember that? So, you know, is that sati there for you? And that's why objects like, you know, training with the breath. And that's very much it. It is a training, right? It's developing these skills of being able to remember. And that's why the breath is so great. It's just like, oh, okay, we have a hit of sati, you know, on the in-breath and on the out-breath and we remember. But also, too, I think what's... Uh, thinking about the anapanasati and just what meditation, I think, you know... Uh, has been so beneficial for for me too is the mental sort of stability it is that mental stability it is that clarity um and it is also just a joy um oh welcome rick hi hi um yeah we're just talking to caleb here about some of the benefits of uh anapanasati and and all that but um but yeah yeah it is it is a way to tap into a very reliable satisfaction, a very reliable sense of joy and ease. Like that's kind of the beauty of it as well. So, and it and part of that is with the Anapanasati, it really is like the whole package of cultivating these skills, cultivating the feeling of success, cultivating the feeling of satisfaction, 
and relaxation, the ability to relax the body and the mind. And yeah, really, really like talk yourself into feeling good. So part of part of the practice is actually playing around a bit uh, uh, in the start with the verbal thoughts. So actually playing a bit with the verbal thoughts can be quite helpful because it does help to, uh, I think, keep one sort of grounded as well. So often we get ahead of ourselves and we're like, oh, yeah, we want to drop away all the verbal thoughts. We just want to hit it. We want to get into that second jhana or whatever, if you're familiar with that. You know, that's a thing. But actually just sticking with like the first sort of uh, jhana, which uh, I, are you familiar with the jhana, uh, Caleb? I have read up a little bit about the jhana's factors or jhana states. Um, I understand that it goes sort of from a feeling of like uh, equanimity all the way up to the formless realms, but um, I don't really know how those experiences oh. are. Okay, yeah. So, so for this, like the primary thing is that the first one is good enough. Okay, so th this is what happens is a lot of the time folks will be like, "Ah, oh, man, we got to jump all the way to formless realms." Well, how could you expect Jana? yourself to get there? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so, I, I I had an experience once where, um, excuse me if this is sort of uh, brusque or too much to say. I I used to be a user of psychedelics back in in my college and high school years, and um, I once took a dose and completely disintegrated. Just just everything was gone. I was in my bed. I knew I was at home in my bed, but the only um, thing in my awareness was just me. So no eyes, no ears, no mouth, no nose, no mind even almost. Like this was a oh mind under God. the mind. And it was freaky because I didn't even know that was possible. And um, I talked to some people about it and they were um, supposedly uh, longstanding and practiced uh, Buddhists. And they say that that it's like a, like a Maya version of Nirvana itself, like mm -hmm. some sort of illusion that set that says hey you're here but for me it was it was genuinely a positive thing that opened me up to new spiritual horizons because it showed me hey it's not just the meat box you yeah. know you also have that little uh little flame in here to work with yeah no no that's that's cool like i mean that and that's the thing right it's, it's like okay cool the the thing though still is i think what is what is helpful for a helpful reminder is just to not get caught up in any particular experience and come back sure. to what's going on here and now and and in terms too of satisfaction right in terms of oh yeah it, it didn't like that, make yeah. me happy or anything oh. it was just weird oh yeah 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 ex exactly it's just a, it's a it's a cool thing um but but what I was saying with the uh, with the jhana or like the first jhana is actually it's helpful to yeah have some parameters and kind of what we're talking about here and so there there are some ingredients and so this is primarily the removal of the hindrances right, right. so when the mind is clear from the hindrances which is like um, you know uh, anger um, uh, craving. Uh, or you know craving um desire sorry greed. anger craving yeah <laughs> greed greed Wait, greed, how many greed are there? i always thought there were eight but now i'm seeing one that says it's it, number nine called cessation well yeah i mean 
primarily, yeah, we're just kind of concerned with the four. Just basically. I'm sorry, that was a little bit off base. Let's keep it to delightful sensations for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, So, so anyway, uh, I was just going over the hindrances, um, the different ones. But primarily, it's the unwholesome thoughts. You know, you're in craving, you're in a sense of lack, right? It's unwhole because it's like, okay, I need something. I'm not, you know, satisfied right now. So it's coming back to a state of like, okay, whole, complete with just the breath. Like just this breath is enough, right? You don't want anything. There isn't that craving. Or sometimes like, uh, again, another hindrance as I was going through them could be um, drowsiness, right? And so that would be like, oh man, I really need to go to sleep. Or there's that sort of, you know, that thing of like, I'm really tired. I can't do this. I can't practice the meditation right now, right? So that could be a hindrance to the meditation. Or restlessness, going this way or that way and not being able to really just come back and and uh, relax with the breath and enjoy that. Or doubt. Doubt's a big one, right? So this can't work. I can't be, you know, happy with just this breath. You know, this isn't the correct practice. I'm not doing this right. I'm terrible at meditation, right? And so whenever these things are spotted, again, it's coming back and just spotting them and being, you know, congratulatory with them and being like, yeah, this is this is fire. And really cultivating that ability to be like, yes, I've won the Super Bowl. Because again, part of this is understanding, yes, this is partially perception. This is partially made up. We can feel as good as we want to if we train ourselves to. And so we can feel like, yeah, this is better than winning the Super Bowl. This is like being able to change our mind, being able to spot these hindrances. This is all the way. And and this is the cultivation of pity, right? And so pity, which is this feeling of success, this feeling of confidence, is actually one of the jhana factors. So for the first jhana, pity is one of the elements. So we've covered a couple of them here. One of them is the removal of the hindrances, and then there's the pity. And once again, the removal of the hindrances, when the hindrances come up, because what can happen is it can be like, oh, man, we, we finally got into a good state. This is wonderful. And then a hindrance comes up, and it's like, oh, no, I'm out of my good state. No, the thing is, is to turn them against themselves. Now those are like little candies. It's like, oh, yes, we spot a hindrance. Awesome right back on the train right so it's not even like you will ever fell off the horse you just keep on riding this thing then right with that is also that feeling of uh satisfaction right so this is the sukha um this is another jhana factor and this is the feeling of satisfaction which comes again from this is enough this is contentment this is this is good we're satisfied right and and at ease and secure and like yeah oh yeah did you yeah, I had something to add real quick. It, oh, yeah. Would it be um, suffice to say that it's not that we are getting off the horse when we meditate? It's more so that when we meditate, we realize we never get off the horse unless we learn to calm <laughs> ourselves down yeah. and sort of untie ourselves from the harness, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've yeah. realized um, that even in states of sleep, you're still there you know mm. but it's almost like the the main at least what i've been seeing in my um journeys through dharma has been the um the right concentration and right mindfulness i guess i don't know if that's right the right way to say it um it's almost like you have to 
center yourself in order to actually get anywhere in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it's it's returning, I suppose, to the the mindfulness, right? And that being remembering to pay attention to what's going on here. Like, I'm, I'm not saying you yeah, can't let, be like not mindful, mm -hmm. but it's almost to say that your mind will still always have, even in states of um, unconsciousness, to an extent, there will still be um, phenomena there. It's just that it's up upon ourselves whether or not we allow that in or recognize it. Um, I've had certain experiences where I have gone to sleep, but not fully gone to sleep, where it was almost like that void that I was talking about before, where you are awake while also dormant. But I don't know if that's something that um, is cultivated at all in these practices. Like just being aware yeah. 24 seven, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, and this is the thing, right? Is it's not about being aware 24 seven because that is a concept, right? It okay. is about being aware when we remember here and now, because often the problem is, is that we get into mindfulness, we get into meditation, and then we want to do meditation all the time. And that is a form of craving, right? Rather right, than right, just being right. content with when it happens here and now. And so we train ourselves to remember. It's like, oh man, I remembered right now. This is wonderful. And what this does is actually also enforce a bit more of a positive sort of feedback loop. So we're not beating ourselves up because we set ourselves a standard of you should be meditating. Like, this is a rule. You need to meditate and you need to remember to be mindful. It's like, no, I remembered to be mindful. Isn't this wonderful? I can just be happy right now. And like, that's right. sort of the thing of, of bringing it back to that, you know, and, and, and having it be easy. I mean, the other thing too, and, and part of being able to, I think, sustain and come back to a very reliable, you know, sense of uh, su success, of ease, of comfort, is um yeah throwing out some of those expectations and being satisfied with what's going on here and now right so like that's that's really it so having again like uh attaching to any particular past experience or wanting a future experience can diminish the experience that is happening in this present moment and so that's part of it right i mean it comes back a lot of it if you to i i don't know are you familiar with the four noble truths Oh, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it primarily comes back to, you know, that, um, you know, there is the dukkha, there is the dissatisfaction, they, we, there's the cause, right? And the cause is the craving, right? The cause is that. And it makes sense. Can you be thirsty and satisfied at the exact same time? And I'm, I mean, you might be able to shift really quickly between these two, but you're not going to be thirsty, you know, and quenched at the same time, right? <laughs> it's going to shift. So we're, we're learning how to be quenched here, how to be reliably quenched. So like that's sort of the thing with that. So it's really looking into those, um, those four noble truths. And I covered, you know, the first two there, but then there is um, the cessation, right, of the dukkha, right? And that's it, coming back to being quenched, coming back to being, you know, satisfied. And that's the thing too, is I think often it is seen as this long drawn out thing, again, getting to the fourth noble truth here, the uh, path, which 
here I think we like to refer to it a bit more sometimes as a method, that this isn't a long, arduous path that we need to travel, but it is something, this method, to come back to this satisfaction, to this ease, to this comfort right now. So that can be a very helpful thing as well. So it's realizing that third noble truth over and over and over again. That's part of the, the training as well. And um, again, it's shortened down to like, what did the Buddha teach? And it's Dukkha Dukkha Naroda. So that's like a very helpful compass because it can often be that we get really far out there on conceptual things, even when it comes to understandings of, say, non-self and anatta and all that stuff. But it's coming back to like, okay, what is the practical implication of this? And the practical implication is, yeah, when you can eradicate uh the dukkha when you can see what dukkha is when you can understand dissatisfaction and you know it's end it's like okay yeah no this is some good stuff you know not to cling to it just to be like wow this is easy this is breezy yeah yeah so that's a wonderful compass to to return to yeah that was excellent dj i really <laughs> like when you got into jhanas um as far as like we're trying to really explain as riding the horse it's not it, it, it is mindfulness but it's maintaining that mindfulness uh into into a state of complete relaxation of of not even needing my mindfulness at a certain point we were just so satisfied that there's nothing going on and we don't really have to pay attention to anything it's just super pleasant and enjoyable and that's that's what we're practicing here is just to enjoy our lives, to be happy, and that's the I think that's the the most important. Everything else just falls apart. Even if you look at any of your of your own experiences, or I, I looked at my own experiences, eventually you see there's nothing to them. They come, they pass, and that's it. They they arise and they disappear in, in the impermanence of the things as as, as you mentioned. Even with experiences, mm -hmm. even with states, even with everything. Yeah, exactly. Like they're not reliable. So where can we refine this reliable satisfaction, right? It's not going to be found in these external like objects which arise and cease. But we can find it right here and right now if we remember. Are you saying that it's an internal object of some sort? Or is it like beyond internal or external, I guess? Yeah, I would say beyond internal or, you know, external, but yet containing both, you know. <laughs> that might be a little bit more on the philosophical aspect of it, uh, you know, even. It's just, it is what it is. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I used to um, be a more of a philosophical type person, but really what I was doing was searching for that empirical experience of, mm. um, of pity, I guess, at this point. Mm. And once I started meditating even a little bit and experiencing pleasant sensations from that, uh, that really opened up my eyes to the possibilities of uh, not only self-control, self-awareness, but self-appreciation that's not cherishing or um, self-desire, you know? Something that's like... Uh, non-attached but still very much beneficial
I think you'll get a good kick out of talking to the Murado for sure. As, as oh, he, like, he's probably <laughs> just going to shred apart anything that I say usually because it's, it's, not, it's not, not even from a negative perspective. It's just mm -hmm. what he's going to say is going to transcend it to the point where what I was saying is almost like deprecated immediately. But that's what I want, not what I would be defensive against, you know? Like I'm you know, looking for the mud to be washed off my eyes, not like – you know what? I'm it's a good idea that. not to go in with any expectations. Yes. That's, okay. That's that's the best advice anyone can give you uh, when you're trying to talk with someone like that, because yeah, it's it's really just best to just be very <laughs> honest and very receptive. That's it. That's it. And beyond that, you'll um, yeah, it'll be a great time. But yeah, don't don't sweat don't don't sweat the expectations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just yeah. know that. Um, at least the way where I try to explain things about my experiences, I'll use very specific and kind of uh, verbiage words uh, in, in a way that might come off as philosophical. But what I'm verbiage trying to say words. is very simple, you know? <laughs> There'll be a mutual understanding in that usually. I, I think that that's, that's the benefit I, I, I got out of my like first call, I think, is just connecting the language, especially as we're using these ancient languages which describe certain states and like uh even nowadays the 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 western world which are using the mindfulness we're using uh, uh a lot of like i think like false language that have like really strong terms like nirvana etc etc that we don't really understand that well and when you when you meet someone who 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 been there, done that? Who studied all these words and can pinpoint you to, to 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 a way in a concept you can conceptualize yourself into what it means for you. It's been very like useful. Quiet. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice too right yeah. <laughs> oh yeah quiet's awesome sorry i just had to do a bio break i was talking to my friend about like the the quiet pauses like when you have a conversation with somebody and most people like just blah 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 without taking a break to really like navigate themselves in 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 in, in talking to someone and the uncomfortable pause comes only after like three seconds. If you pause, like I pause right now, then discomfort comes in. But if I pause just for a couple of seconds, it's completely normal. And you can give yourself so much space in these moments to take a breath, to relax, to, to really be there in a conversation. But we tend to miss it so many times. We tend not to be there and just yabble, yabble, yabble. And thinking that, somebody else is going to feel uncomfortable and even if they do it doesn't matter but even if, if, if it exists as a rule we know that it's probably like two to three seconds until that person thinks oh wait what's happening i found that quite interesting yeah it's a fun object to play with like just noticing it and being like no we don't have to listen to that discomfort we can just be comfortable we can come back to that. Mm. 
So when people talk about insight, um, does that usually entail an experience of some sort of um, object in the mind or space around you that, like, how does that work? Is it like an opening or the acquisition of a new idea or some sort of novel experience? Um, it's like connecting the dots. Um, oh, okay. I would say like we were talking like before, like Alex was sharing something. You you participated while Alex was sharing about his relationship and etc. And he was taking a break and he was having all this insight, seeing himself in a different light. So that that, that you can you can almost use that language. You you're seeing something that was that was not there before it, it, it was there before but you were not seeing it you brought it to light and how you brought it to light to light by is by your practice is by being relaxed and calm and actually looking at things as they are and once the mind is ready we call that i think we call that mind is ready for work fit for work and mind is only ready and fit for work when it's relaxed and, and when it's calm and we can actually look at things as they are not with like perceptions or, or concepts or, or anything like that, but really, really sharp and relaxed. Yeah, so this is kind of where I suppose a little bit of the difference from like the noting technique comes in is that this practice of Anapanasati is much more well, the noting might be referred to as a dry insight kind of practice. We're doing a little bit more of a wet insight, as in we're going to get quenched first. We're going to get satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> and then, wet then and we dry can start. Insights. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> but then it's like, okay, yeah, the mind's fit for work, you know, and uh, we got this wonderful water park we can play in. So, you know. So. How would you describe the differences between Anapanasati and, say, um, a more, I guess, well-known version of meditation like Vipassana? Because Vipassana is is an insight meditation, right? But what I'm getting from Anapanasati, it seems to be more of just um, just keeping it almost bare bones, just like the simple noting of the breath and the... Um, other mental phenomena i really don't know i think yeah. the better, like distinction would be to distinguish like what we said like dry insight and then not so dry inside <laughs> wet inside you would juicy would, would that yeah. juicy inside wetness be like emotional content then yeah partially i i would say right is we are going to be you know, coming from a place of success, a place of satisfaction, right? So we are going to fill up uh, the mind with these these things um, for starters, you know, and and that sort of thing. And that might calm down even further past, you know, past that. But it's still, okay, we're coming from this baseline. And then from that place, observing reality as it is um, as well. So, you know, the breath, again, is just an anchor. And like it is coming back, remembering to come back to partake in the practice. But then again, it, there can be aspects of, yeah, Vipassana, right? It, it, so it's both both Vipassana and I suppose a shamatha or, or whatever, the relaxing meditation. So it's actually kind of both. Um, and they're working wow. together. 
So like Vipassana is to kind of clearly see and the shamatha is sort of to relax. So once we're, we've kind of, you know, relaxed, we can really, you know, clear off the looking glass and then we can see things clearly. Right. And so it's from this place of satisfaction that, oh, OK, we can observe reality. We can still see, oh, yeah, the breath is changing. Right. They're right there. The sensations of the breath are rising and falling. The um, the thoughts are coming and going, you know, if there is thoughts. Right. So we and again, we are putting in right effort here as well. So that is um, actually bringing about if we do have verbal thoughts, having those be wholesome verbal thoughts. So with with this practice, it is very much like, oh, yeah, there's nothing to do, no place to go. Damarato likes that one a lot. Or if you want to go, because like I, I practice quite a bit of the noting. So uh, I do kind of do a little bit of a, almost a note with it or a mantra. So on the in-breath, sometimes I'll, I'll just be like, Breathing in, this is enough. Breathing out, long, this is enough. So just to have that anchor. And then maybe after a while of that, just drop it and just experience. And then if the mind starts to wander or whatever in terms of going into unwholesome. So the primary thing too is when it wanders, it's more, is it wholesome or is it unwholesome, right? So that's what we're more concerned about here than even being strongly focused on an object like the breath, right? The main thing is actually to keep it the uh, applied and sustained on the wholesome thoughts and the, or, or just like the wholesome attention, even if you will, right? And so that's going to be things that bring us back to contentment, to satisfaction, being okay with just this breath. Or, you know, what's we, with that, too, we can be aware of what's going on in the body. And again, there can be playing. There can still be that investigation into what's going on. I enjoy playing quite a bit in terms of, like, you know, looking into the phenomena as it arises and ceases. Or, yeah, just like, like that sort of stuff. Noticing, you know, what even is this awareness or, or what have you. And then, you know, picking that apart while still breathing in and breathing out and paying attention and being completely satisfied. Because if there's comes a thought, perhaps that's like, oh, you know, you really want to get this particular piece or you don't have this piece of the puzzle yet. You need to get that. If that craving comes up, that's another thing to spot and to see and to let go of and let disperse, right? And just kind of float along as you change back to, oh, everything is okay. So it can be playing in, in quite a subtle way as well. But again, the primary thing is just to return back to the wholesome, like like that's the main thing. And then from there, um, we, um, we can practice the investigation. And um, once the mind is fit for work, <laughs> I think I see what you're saying to a certain extent. Um, I, I'm i uh, struggling to fully grasp what you're saying because a lot of it probably comes from being in the meditation mode, I guess. And the only way to really firmly grasp what's being said is to actually go out and do it to a certain extent. You know, on that point about the meditation, what you're calling the meditation mode, uh, one of the sweet things about practice, whether it's this or another method, is how it bleeds into non, like when you're not formally practicing, you're awake to your thoughts, you're awake to your reactions to things and your responses to things. So a lot of times you'll find that it's not 
only when you're in formal practice that you're um, experiencing the satisfaction or the fruits of the practice, but it can be moments throughout the day when you remember to be present, you know, and mm -hmm. it's good not to uh, make such a distinction between, okay, now I'm sitting, now I'm, you know, trying to have the, per, you know, experience the perfection of X, Y, Z, but rather <laughs> it's all throughout the day, you know, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, this, um, this tastes fantastic. Let me, let me really, you know, experience this sensation or, oh, you know, um, how interesting that this, um, the thoughts that this uh, phenomenon caused in, in me and let's notice what that's doing. Let's not necessarily grab onto it, but just, just notice it as it arises and passes away. Again, not meditation mode. This has become like normal mode, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but the meditation helps bring that about in a very real way. And then at some point it becomes very blurred and blended, which is pretty sweet actually, because then you are more awake when you're awake. I think I see what you're saying to a certain extent. I've noticed that um, in the hours preceding the uh, meditations that I do for a solid three hour span, I still will probably, I'd say I'd probably still feel that calmness unless something perturbs me or I go to sleep, you know? But, yeah, but it's I, about I, noticing that. It's about noticing the, the perturbed state, recognizing it and not necessarily trying to push it away, but just recognizing for what it is and that it's temporary and being satisfied with noticing the temporary nature. And it's funny because as you notice it, it becomes very temporary and then it's gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually noticed that myself where um, you don't have to really, like you said, push it away at all. As long as you sort of give it the full weight of your attention, even for a moment and sort of accept it, then it feels like it's transferred the information to you that it needed to. Because a lot of these perceptions in unwholesome states don't accrue in your mind because there's some sort of mental negativity that's coming after you it's because in the way that we are processing the sensory data and our mental continuum and all of the experiences around us um, these are just the best means available if that makes sense like oh if you um say if you're fighting somebody and you get scared and oh never mind that's a terrible analogy but basically what i'm trying to say is um it's only negative because it you feel like you can't handle it almost like if it's something that would be uh completely backbreaking to one person might be completely rejuvenating to somebody else it all just depends on your perspective what i've seen um with a lot of experienced meditators is they almost have the ability to change their perspective as things arise, which is pretty freeing, I've seen. And that's opened up a large amount of admittedly desire in my own uh, experience to start meditating and not achieving, but accepting my life to the point where I don't have to feel the need to achieve anymore, if that makes sense.
Yeah, Caleb, I think like what, what you were pointing to just there is it's your um, your relationship to whatever phenomena is arising, whatever thoughts or emotions that are arising, that is what is changing in the practice of meditation. And so that's what creates the difference between someone who is suffering over this back-breaking thought and then someone who can look at this back-breaking thought and can realize that their back isn't breaking and everything's okay. <laughs> and right. that, that that thought is it's fine even if it looks like a backbreaking thought wow oh wow okay but i can i can somehow just let that be <laughs> right because you don't identify you know you're not that thought you are not that thought and i think what happens in prior to a lot of practice or in a uh, kind of a mm, kind of in a conditioned way is that people attach to it very quickly and then it becomes more, it becomes more back breaking, mind breaking. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in, instead you realize, no, I'm not that. I'm not that thought. It's just a thought. It's just a phenomenon. It's just a, an experience that I'm, a, that I'm aware of at this point. And, uh, and Hey, it's cool. It's all cool. Yeah. What's well, interesting. Um, Rick, I don't know if you heard, but it's like, I don't know if I told you last week, but my girlfriend <laughs> keeps saying that my previous girlfriend and I broke up uh, last week. And mm -hmm. so it's been about mm -hmm. a week and a half. Um, and one thing that I've noticed is that when the tendency to like crave her attention or crave even just like memories or reminiscing that goes on about, you know, just images flashing through the head. I basically kind of like objectify that, right? As like craving. Okay, let's relax out of that craving. Ah, let's good. come back into wholesome. Yeah, but what's interesting is that at some point, it was today that I started seeing that the I started seeing a craving to relax out of craving. <laughs> uh -huh, and, right. and so when I saw that, there was this like it that Caleb was the back breaking thought. It was like, wait. I want to practice well, but that's a problem. I'm craving to practice well. So at that point, I basically just was like, oh, okay. Well, then I got to let that one be there too. I got to make space for that as well and relax out of that one just as much as I'm relaxing out of these images about my previous girlfriend. And right. then, then it all just, ever since then, you know, it's it's just been... Like kind of even sailing, smooth sailing. It's like even the desire for liberation is a hindrance, right? Exactly, right? Exactly, and you, and you get you get so in touch with this paradox. The more and more you come up against it, and you and you relax out of it, you see that you know just doing it over and over again. You're like, well, there is liberation. But it's not going to happen from wanting it. It happens from relaxing out of wanting it. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. So I'll just keep doing oh, that. Oh, I yeah. It's kind of like putting a horse in a stable front ways with blinders <laughs> on. And if it can't look around and see behind, it's not going to back out. It's just not going to back out of that stable, right? But it's almost like the relaxation is when the horse finally realizes that there's no other way. And it just slowly walks backwards out. 
turns around and is available to the whole environment. That was really good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that hit home for sure. Yeah, so it's just amazing, guys. Like, it's amazing. I'm, I'm so grateful for the Dhamma. I guess I could just say that, you know, like a year ago, if I had a breakup, man, I would be a total wreck, like just a total mess. And I've felt like a mess here and there, but the mess, the relationship with the mess is what has changed and allowed me to kind of go through this more wholesomely. I'm just like, it's amazing what I'm doing. I am living with my previous girlfriend. We still have a lease for six months and we're being like friendly. We're being good friends. Um, we're being honest with each other. You know, I mean, it's just incredible. It's incredible. Handling like, like, like a lion. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Lion. Yeah. Domrado's voice comes into my head from time to time, like, ah, you, I can handle this. <laughs> uh, this is like a, a small question I have. That's probably not like big deal. But when when Domrado uh, was a monk in the Thai forest tradition under, um, I think it was Ajahn Po, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did he ever get far enough in their tradition to be given like the permission for, to teach from his guru or whatever that is? I think there's like a certain level where it's like if you're below that as a monk, you're not recommended to teach. But then once you hit above that, you almost have to. I have no idea about that. Uh, okay. I, I believe that um, Ajahn Poe. <laughs> I mean, it's not important it was, to me, but yeah. I just was I believe, curious. Yeah, I believe that Ajahn Poe actually was the one who said to Don Murata, like he told him to go and teach the way he is online, like with like one on one. Perfect. If I'm remembering correctly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. I, I just that's pretty cool. The yeah. the whole permission thing from like an association isn't really important to me, but the blessing of a guru is, just from my own spiritual perspective. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. You, you have two, you know two teachers of the Dhamma and like one of them is supporting the other and going out to teach like that just like kind of double backs what um, Domorado has learned. Yeah. And I've, I've listened to what Domorado has been saying and I, and from my own um, individual level of experience, I can just vouch for what he's saying. I mean, it just all makes sense on the face of it, you know? And when it makes sense on the face of it, it's going to make even more sense when you get deep into it. It's kind of yeah. like peering over a ledge and like the Grand Canyon almost. It's like, well, the ledge is nice, but there's all that space down there if you're ready. <laughs> I, I really like this analogy. I saw this Dama Dudes video, new video. It's like short videos released. And I think Eric was talking to the Marado about how everyone is a teacher. We all have all the views at all times. We have an ordinary view and we have a noble view and all people transition through them throughout days, months, throughout cycles. We, we all have the ability to teach. It just matters. Can we get ourselves relaxed into, into that state of being completely relaxed and, and seeing things how they are? And that's the benefit I got. I, I kind of get from Sangha is because we all get nice and relaxed in this chat. And we all can
can teach each other and in in a in the essence if somebody needs a, a little reminder or if somebody needs a good congratulations it's 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 truly <coughs> fascinating thing yeah that definitely alex you 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 deserve quite a bit of congratulations for for handling handling your shit man good job oh <laughs> thanks guys Thank not you. only that alex's videos are probably the the most interesting like amount of duke i ever seen it like generated yeah, they're, like they're such wrong. a short they're amount wrong. of time like it's just a month and a half and you were like smashing it back and forth yeah quite impressive uh, yeah. yeah someone someone needs to do like a time lapse edit of like you know some of like clips for like five minutes five minutes five minutes up into the present <laughs> You know, like the before and after kind of deal. Honestly, my photo you guys... every day for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, took my photo every day for one month. <laughs> you guys are inspiring me to actually go back and check the videos because like, yeah, I've, I'd be, I probably would be surprised to look at myself. And you miss a lot of things. You'll notice that you missed a lot of things that you, that you were being communicated to because you were functioning out of unwholesome states in the, most of those videos. For sure. For sure. So this is going to sound kind of like a, a pretty basic question, but I'm just going to ask it anyways. What would you all um, say the main differences between like mindfulness and self-help? Like say somebody wants to read the suttas instead of reading... Um, getting off your butt and being happy for dummies, you know? What's the, what's the one's real... A, one's, a, one's an intellectual pursuit, and, mm. and, and it's more of a... In a way, it's almost like... A, it's almost ego-stroking, in a way. Oh, okay. Mindful, yeah. Yeah. And mindfulness is about the experiencing the present moment and, and not worrying about your, um, your preconceptions. So yeah, so one's an experience and the other is, uh, okay, here's your, here, here's how to feel better about your ego. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that sounds, that, that may be oversimplifying it a bit, like an entire well, you're, you're, you're pointing to the field core of, it, of I think. an entire field of, um, you know, books, but, um, but yeah, that's, and, and, and you know, presentations and I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not very enamored with that. I, I think a lot of it is scammy. Oh, know? for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's, they're not even, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're like, I don't know, they're apples and rotted apples. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I, I really knew was like self-help is just somebody saying you can do it sort of emptily to everybody. Sort of like false, false claims. But the, the Dhamma is like, how to do it step by step like it makes no um there's no room for interpretation you know it's, the dharma do is this, doing this it happen. yeah i'm sorry right. to interrupt but the dharma is actually doing it one is one is conceptualizing one can read the dharma and actually not practice it and, and just say like recitate all these things and one can understand dharma and actually put it to practice that's that's mm. what we're actually like talking about it here just getting your hands dirty investigating in yourself taking taking responsibility in in, in your own way in your right own and, and even right. in practice one can sit for hours and hours and hours and get nowhere you know it's not like people sitting at a 
I love getting nowhere. Getting yeah. <laughs> that's not a bad thing, it. getting nowhere. We're already nowhere. <laughs> that sounds like quite yeah. a successful set. <laughs> I'm down with that. Let's do that. Get nowhere. <laughs> the goalless goal. <laughs> Reminds me so, of the gateless gate. Sorry, a lot of my um, experience with, with, with Buddhism has come from like a Vajrayana and other Mahayana style texts. So I don't want to say I'm like corrupted or anything, but a lot of it is sort of intellectual, like you said. But uh, yeah, yeah throw out these categories, throw them out, man. Throw out yeah. these categories. They're, 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 they're great to get you interested maybe into the practice, but trying to organize them and trying to, you know, put them in their little boxes and compare them and decide and all that. That's a lot of distraction. That's like cha- okay. it's like channel surfing with Buddhism. You know, um, it, again, it's you know for 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 your right effort and and right attitude. You know, plop yourself down and 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 investigate it and 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 be present. You know, really, like it's. Yeah, it's just a bunch of concepts. It's all a bunch of concepts. <laughs> yeah, for me personally, um, a lot of my practice has just been staying fully aware of all of my thoughts rather than just sort of ignoring them, like how some people will do. Um, I Nowadays, there isn't like a single thought that enters my mind that I'm not aware of to a certain extent. Like, It's not to say I repeat every thought I have or I make a note of every thought I have. But I, I fully weigh my attention to it and give it its um, its due course, if that makes sense. I don't know if that's something that um, Buddhism promotes as a way of being, but it's been very helpful for me. Only only when there's dukkha. That's that's what we what we usually do. We only wake up to it when when we're unsatisfied. If everything is going breezy and we're feeling we're getting nowhere, <laughs> okay. then we're happy. If well, we're I can say this. I, I'm a very anxious person, so the dukkha just sort of never goes away. But I've noticed that I can sort of lessen it or cessate part of it to an extent. I mean, honestly, if I could just go sit and be uh, very calm and full of pity and all of those pleasurous sensations, I'd probably be doing that right now. You know. Well, you can. But just that's what I'm saying, and it's very exciting. It's very exciting news to know that I can. It's just that uh, part of it is, is not knowing if I trust myself to be able to do it, I guess. Like, that's if I the sit doubt. there where I really... And that's uh, one of the hindrances, right? Doubt. That's the doubt. <laughs> Hello, doubt. How are Hello. you? Hello, <laughs> I remember you. Uh-huh. I remember you, doubt. <laughs> and then From once... just meeting you, I'm pretty sure you can do this. And, and you've done it many times without maybe uh really understanding it but you have done it and you you are there even right now you are there you are seeing it right now in this present moment it's just making that choice am i am i am i gonna am i gonna entertain this or am i gonna take a breath and get myself relaxed But yeah, yeah, that really comes back to the integration with everyday life is just whenever you remember 
It's not always, but whenever you remember and come back to this breath, you can return home to this place of security and satisfaction, and maybe it will drift away again, but then you can remember again. And so it's just developing that skill of remembering this. Yeah. And I think, too, when it comes to the sitting, if we're talking about, like, um, practicing in seclusion, so getting a time away where you can seclude yourself from perhaps more, like, distracting phenomena coming in and out, you can just sit in a quiet place or whatever for some time. That doesn't have to be, actually, for a long period of time. I think Don Murato recommends, you know, just, like, 10-minute sets. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but yeah, just like 10, 10 minutes. minutes it, that sounds really short. Yeah, yeah, but multiple times throughout the day. So maybe ah. like four, yeah. And also when you go to bed. So when you go, because again, the thing is is um, meditating in different postures, right? So the lying posture, you know, you can lie on your side. This is the lion's pose. Uh, you can look up pictures of the lion's pose, actually. And this can be quite helpful for breathing. Is that the one sleeping. where they're like doing this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so when you go to bed, right, this can be a wonderful time. Like 10 minutes before you go to bed, you're lying there anyway. Just, you know, bring, watch the breath, bring back, have some nice long breaths and just like really relax. Bring in those thoughts of, yeah, I don't need to do anything right now. Everything is okay. There's no place to go, nothing to do. And just really cultivate that satisfaction and that ease and that relaxation right then. Because, I mean, that's just it. It, it. And it can be very helpful for, for rest and sleep. Um, and then when you wake up as well, right, before you get out of bed, you can you can practice, you know, and just get into a really wonderful state. Right. And so it's practicing multiple times a day for like 10, you know, 10 minutes too. like if you have like a lunch break or something, taking an Anapanasati break there, practice some mindfulness of breathing. Right. And that breaks it up so that throughout the day, you know, you'll have these moments where you remember to come back to the breath. Um, is, is there like an Anapanasati Sutta? Yes, there is. Actually, <laughs> the Anapanasati Sutta is... <laughs> I, I think Dave, it's you're like so happy he asked this question. Like, oh yes, finally, <laughs> finally. I know, I know this answer. Wait, I know this wait. one. It's in the Mahijmaka Nikaya yeah. one eighteen. Isn't oh. one eighteen like a holy number or something like that in India? I'm pretty sure it is. One eighteen or one oh eight, but oh, it, it might be one right? Yeah, but um, but yeah, sorry, yeah, it was one eighteen. One seventeen is the Great Forty. So actually, those are two really good runs to read. The Great Forty goes over like the application of the Noble Eightfold Path or method, and kind of like lays it out with the Sati viewing and effort and all that and how they run together in circles and bring about right attitude and that kind of allows the other ones of the the speech the act sorry the action the livelihood and the unification of mind so this is another thing if you talk to Damarato, okay concentration is a no-no word not to bring up a rule okay but unification of mind is how we like to uh to think about it because concentration yeah. can imply almost like this tense Mm -hmm. Like very strong thing, whereas the mind is unified, the mind is working together, the mind is whole, it's not divided this way or that way. It's like, oh, yes, we're Question. watching the breath and being completely satisfied. Yeah, is what you're saying like the, the concentration issue? Is that because when somebody concentrates, they have a direct intent uh, 
to apply that concentration to an object, whereas the um, what you're trying to say when you say concentration is more indirect and uh, general and sort of encompasses all of the phenomena that one's experiencing at once. Or am I off no, base no, with that? No, no, Concentration is a tense activity, and your goal okay. is to relax, right? You well, what I was trying to say was, like, you're just sort of in a meditative absorption that's, like, aware rather than unaware. Absorption already means that you're not there because you're being absorbed by a state or experience. Okay. What okay. we're talking about is, as you asked the awareness question before, I think that that's what I was trying to explain. You can be absorbed in awareness or you can let it sit by itself, relaxed, not needing to cling to it or, or tense it up into into any object or, or, or anything. Hmm. Yeah. And so we might use like pay attention to a particular object or even focus, right? But the idea here is that it's not like a strong, you know, concentrated, we need to focus on this very small point on the breath so that we enter psychedelic states, right? This is much more open. This is we can enjoy the breath, we can enjoy the thoughts, we can enjoy what's here and now, you know, rather than we need to have this focus. And then when the mind wanders a little bit, oh man, I'm not in a thing. I'm all upset because, you know, I'm not going to hit that jhana. I got to sit yeah. here in the cave for the next 10 hours. Well, isn't now. the whole... <laughs> point of being able to hit the jhana by relaxing the mind rather than yes. intensifying it yes yeah yeah precisely and that's why like unification of mind might be a little bit more of a helpful pointer because the word is, is samadhi as well and so actually i think domorato brought this up is that a samadhi is almost like uh, i think like the uh kind of if you go back to the um what the word means, right? It's like the coming together. So if you think of like a TP, like all the poles, like coming together, that's like a samadhi, right? That would be a samadhi, right? So if we're thinking mm. about like the mind, right? Unifying, it's all coming sort of together, right? And so in that state, when the mind's together and unified, um, it's it's working in union. It isn't being pulled this way or that way. And that could be also, yeah, it's whole. It's not craving. There isn't this craving. There isn't the hindrances. It's just, yeah, we can just enjoy this. I keep coming back to just enjoying, like, this breath, but, I mean, that's really, you know, what it is, right? I mean, if that's the main point, if that's all that it is, and that's just the key to success, you just never let it go, then. <laughs> I like, I, like, never, just I, like wigwams. I like wigwams instead of TPs. I was thinking my personal preference. The, the spikes or the um, things all meeting in the center. I thought of that almost like the spokes on the wheel of Dhamma itself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's, that can be quite seen that way, right? Because it's all these path factors also coming together. The, um, yeah. The sati or the mindfulness, the viewing. I, I looked the into the uh, yeah. Anapanasati Sutta, and it basically just said outright that right breathing, if that's if that's the phrase I can use, uh, you're using Anapanasati fulfills all of the um, seven factors of enlightenment itself. Which yes. is, that sort of blew my mind to an extent. I was like, wait, so I got, I can give up all of the rest of this, just focus on this one thing, and I have the equivalent to the rest of that? Perfect. Yeah. That's all I need. That's right, man. Because, like, I don't need to see pretty colors to feel happy, you know? I, I could be happy <laughs> in a colorblind world. 
Yeah, yeah, precisely. It, it does help because it's not setting up this expectation of you need to see this to have this attainment or whatever. You can come back and just be happy, yeah, with this breath. And that's really, you know, what it's about. That phenomena might arise and it might be cool, you know. But, you know, that's just it. It's cool. Yeah. I mean, I have this thing where I'll meditate before going to sleep sometimes in the lying position, just sort of doing the meditation the best the best way I know how, where I sort of just stay aware of the mind stream and the breath without analyzing or noting, just sort of chilling, I guess. When that happens, I can get to some pretty deep states, but they're almost like tired states or like sleepy states where I'm still awake in the mind, but the body is sort of going to shut down a little bit. And when that happens, sometimes I'll have like, pictures that pop up which kind of blew my mind because like normally when i think of images um they don't show up in my visual field at all they're sort of ephemeral or out in the the mind space somewhere above your head you would you would say but um with with this this was almost like a hologram right in front of my vision like it just it showed up it was just a still image of some old dude he just sort of sat there and then it just faded away i was like wait Am I going crazy? <laughs> you know, but then I read about it and, and it, the, everything is saying that it's just fine. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's kind of helpful to be able to see this stuff, but also to be able to see, OK, this is like, you know, internal vision or imagination and being able to see it as that and being able to appreciate it for what it is you know, but not getting super caught up in it. Right. Right. But that's, right. that's, the, that's kind of the difference eh? is, is it's the liking things. Like it's cool to like stuff. When stuff comes up, you can appreciate it, enjoy it, have a blast with it. Well, I mean, the, there's no, uh, yeah. there's no sustenance in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, precisely. But the thing is, is yeah. Like if there, the problem comes up when there is that craving for it, when there is, and mm -hmm. then that leads to the attachment right and that's you know i need to get this again i need to have this over and over and over again and it's not it's not there yeah and it's not really satisfying right but you when you can come back and just be satisfied with what's going on here and now that's much more reliable and what's going on here and now is changing now we do have a very reliable object to come back to though with what's going on here and now and that's the breath <laughs> Yeah. And, and again, I mean, the other thing, too, is the breath is not like uh, also some arbitrary object, too, because it is very much, you know, if you don't breathe, you you die. Right. Like it is life. And so that's the other wonderful thing with it. I, I know a, a, a really great thing to do is if you're like. If you don't enjoy the breath, you know, and Don Marato will instruct people on this, like, you know, take a couple minutes. Don't breathe for a while. That next breath, you're going to really enjoy it. So like that, that can be helpful sometimes. It's just like taking a pause on the breath and then coming back to it and being like, wow, this is really enjoyable. But I mean, that's part of it, too, is actually cultivating that ability to have that, you know, pleasantness, that 
enjoying, right? Not immediately melting down into Upeka or equanimity into, you know, the neither, you know, liking or disliking or being unsure of, but rather we can play around with a little bit of this. You know, first, this is where we get our support. This is where we get that security. And then, okay, now we can melt down even more and then we can investigate and play around. But yeah, yeah, just enjoying. You know, speaking of playing around with the breath, you guys uh, probably caught that article recently that Joe posted about how many times uh, we we typically breathe in a minute. Did you guys take it? Did you guys happen to maybe not read it, but follow that that thread about the amount of times we typically breathe in a minute? So it really got me thinking about that, you know, and it's impossible to count your breaths in a natural state because as soon as you start counting, you automatically drop them. Like you automatically start breathing slower. So it's really, really hard to do that. But um, so uh, what I did was I started playing as like you like to DJ, I started playing around with a little bit. I found this really cool app um, that you can you can get for free and it's a little breath timer and it's really cool. It's like a little flower. And so it's uh, they call it a box breath, right? So so many seconds, the flower opens you hold so many seconds, you close it, right? And I think, wow, this is a really fun little game that you can play just for about five or 10 minutes. And it's a really sweet, especially if you know that you're gonna be going into a situation that might trigger you or might cause a little bit of extra uh, anxiety. Uh, this this little flower, this little breathe breath flower, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And as soon as I started, I deleted all of the apps on my phone. I'm like, I don't need any more mobile apps. This is my game now. So whenever <laughs> I have like an urge to play one of those mindless little games matching or whatever, I just go, oh yeah, I've got my flower game. And so I'll, I'll play with that for like five minutes. And it's just, it's just fantastic. So it's another reminder of how you can play with different techniques or strategies to enjoy the breath so anyway it's pretty cool it's yeah my, that's cool yeah it's my two cents so and it all started from that thread that joe had uh posted about how many times do we breathe in a minute so anyway it's really yeah. good yeah, I, I, I read a little bit of that. I don't think I read the actual article, but I read what Joe was saying about that in terms of how many times we, yeah, breathe. And I, I remember kind of playing around a bit with not necessarily an app, but just with a timer just to kind of see like and, and kind of play around like, oh, OK, how, how, how long can we make this? Right. I mean, the thing is, is. There, there was part of me, though, where I noticed myself getting, like, perhaps a little bit too caught up at times with that. And so I was just like, wait a minute. No, it's just having the breath be comfortable and enjoyable. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a particular way. But it is fun to play around with it and to actually see and time it. Um, often with the steps, I will do that as well. Like when I'm doing walking meditation, kind of like breathe with the steps and have it be very rhythmic and not go with the mantra and all that so that can be quite fun but yeah definitely yeah having the timers is interesting but that sounds like a fun little game for it too it is but, it's a yeah. game that's what i'm saying like it's a it's a really sweet it's a really sweet little game <laughs> it's a flower opens you inhale you wait 
and then the flower closes and you exhale and just again and again and again so i really like this and of course it's got little noises and gongs and stuff I'm like this is the best <laughs> game ever <laughs> yeah. yeah that's fun. beautiful yeah the box breathing is cool too because it does uh emphasize that hold as well right so it's like breathing in yes. and then holding yes. for a bit yeah and in that moment, in this, like you, you can have a mind moment while you're in that middle, in the middle transition between the inhale or the exhale. It's like, see what thoughts come in at that moment. It's just pretty, pretty, um, it's pretty cool. So anyway, that's my... Kind, kind of reminds me when I first got into meditation and I went to like uh, one of these meditation classes. At first, they instruct you just to breathe and watch your breath and just enjoy the breath. But then the second part is like, hey, start looking at your thoughts. And that part initially like scared me off. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I was enjoying <laughs> my breath. Now I have to look at all these shopping lists I created in my head or all these like anxious thoughts. <laughs> Why? And, and from that point, I never returned to the, any meditation classes. Because I was like, wow, this is, this is I, I get it how people cannot do this. It's very unenjoyable. Just. The only part I really enjoyed was the breath. And from then on, I would just like lay in my bed and just breathe. That was my meditation. And I think that is the best meditation. <laughs> it's just breathing, <laughs> which we already do. We just don't pay attention to it. All right, gents, I have to head out. So good to see everybody. Yeah, it's good to have see you, Have a great one. Bye, guys. Yeah. Have a good Bye. week. See ya. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. What about you, Robert? Anything to report? Um, no. Life's good. Nice. <laughs> That's really good. Anyhow, guys, I'm going to shoot out as well. It was a pleasure, as always. Yeah, nice it's wonderful to, to see you again, Carl. Some excellent points. Very nice. <laughs> Thanks, Carl.